This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. And as we will find out a little bit later on, somebody who apparently is moonlighting for the National Enquirer, Father Flannel himself, Mr. Daryl Slater. What's going on, Daryl? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on, as usual. So we'll get to why I mentioned the National Enquirer a little bit later, but there was an interesting exchange you had with a member of the Jets coaching staff. Before we get to that, let's talk about practice, though. What did you see today? Not much. I mean, it was, uh, well, we saw the whole practice, but not much happened. So this week, the Jets had four OTAs, voluntary practices, Monday through Thursday. So today, as we're talking, is the final spring practice, and they're off until the end of End of July in training camp, and they'll probably report, I think, July 24th, it looks like, based on how the schedule falls. Um, but today, yeah, as with Tuesday, not a lot to read into because uh, these were our voluntary practices, and they did come after the mandatory mini camp, and so a lot of guys weren't weren't there. Um, Le'Veon Bell, of course, Tremaine Johnson, who has been absent, uh, a bunch of Bell's been absent throughout the whole, the whole voluntary practice run, and... Um, Couple some new guys: Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, uh, Kelvin Beecham, Kalechi Osemele. Um, so you know it's hard to really read a lot into what happened this week based on the two practices we saw because so many guys were absent. Sam Darnold looked better in these two practices than he than he had uh, you know during some of the rockier practices that preceded it. Obviously, the Jets are putting in their offense, so that that contributes to this whole thing with a quarterback. You know, sometimes looking young, rocky at times, a young guy. Um, but uh, today, in particular, the practice is only an hour and a half long. They, these, these have been two hours throughout the spring, but pretty low-key practice. The Jets were inside because of weather. So overall, the Jets had 15 spring practices. We were able to see seven of them, and really not a lot to draw, conclusions to draw from these last two this week. and um, Certainly not from today, an hour and a half practice. But you know, Sam Darnold looked pretty good this week. He looked fine overall in the spring, and he had his moments uh, up and down, which is the case when you're installing a new offense. Uh, but he's shown a lot of progress, and he's drawn a lot of praise from from his coaches, um, not only Adam Gase, but some of the other coaches. And uh, we'll see whether that manifests itself into some success when the season comes around. But, uh, but yeah, so now the spring's complete. The next thing is training camp. After practice today, you got a chance to talk to some of the assistant coaches, many of whom you're not going to get very many opportunities to talk to. So what did they have to say for themselves? Yeah, so the Jets, uh, the Jets coordinators talked before practice, and uh, Brant Boyer, special teams, of course, Donald Loggins, the offensive coordinator, even though he doesn't call the plays, and, uh, and then the big, the big name, Greg Williams. We have not talked to him in the five months since he was hired, but uh, we got a chance to talk to him today. Uh, and then after practice, the position coaches talk. Uh, they don't talk very often, a few times a year. Um, so this was an opportunity to talk to those guys. Um, one, one thing. Uh, actually, I, I don't think I didn't tell you about this when we were going over our stuff before the show. But I was talking about coaches raving about Sam Darnold. So the, the receivers coach, a guy named Sean Jefferson, and uh, he was asked about Darnold, the pretty basic question, like, what do you think of him? And this was the quote. <laughs> he said, excuse my French when I say this, but he's a effing dude. He's a effing dude with a effing arm, and he's accurate as the S word, obviously. Uh, so excuse that. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's what? One, two, three F-bombs, and then uh, and then an S-bomb, if you will. But uh, that, And then he was moved on to just 
bland answers about the rest of the stuff, apparently. I wasn't in the interview, but Matt Stipulkowski, my coworker, was there. It was like a stunning development. It was like he, he delivered this incredible profanity-laced co- comment complimenting a guy. <laughs> like, you know, so, the, the, so they really like him. The coaches really like Sam Darnold. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of before, not really much from Brant Boyer or Dow Loggins. I mean, Dow Loggins mentioned that basically he defers to Adam Gase, of course. Adam Gase runs the show, and Dow Loggins mentions, you know, his primary role, Dow's primary role is to kind of work with the quarterbacks. And he said what you'd expect, so nothing major there. Uh, Brant Boyer, special teams coordinator, you know, talked about wanting to build on last year when they were number one in the league in special teams DVOA. Uh, the big one being Greg Williams. Yeah, he was – he talked a lot. Um it was it was fairly bland. I mean, he talked about attitude and aggression and the standard platitudes that you hear a lot of. And uh, one thing I thought was was kind of interesting was he talked in the beginning about how sometimes he has to like he like manufactures being mad or angry out on the field as a way of uh, generating energy and trying to be loud, disruptive with the players, so that when things are even louder on Sundays, they're they're um, they're used to it. And so he kind of did a little bit into his coaching style. He talked about having. Uh, like 42 different packages on defense and how obviously they're not going to use them all with the Jets, but you know, lending a little bit of a uh, glimpse to his flexibility as a defense coordinator. In terms of player assessment, he really wasn't good at all on that, uh, asking about corners. He, he didn't talk specifically about any player, really, when asked. He kind of talked around a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, he did, he did talk in generalities about his coaching style and uh, – you know, having a, a you know an attitude and all that stuff. Um, he was asked, of course, a, a question uh, about Bounty Gate and working with Joe Vitt again, uh, because that's an interesting kind of storyline here. As these guys get back together and work together for the first time since the Saints and the Bounty Gate thing, and then what happened, of course, most notably after is that Joe Vitt testified against. I mean, like, look, he wasn't being charged with murder, but he like testified against quote unquote Greg Williams. Um, and really was pretty harshly critical of him in, t- in testimony speaking to the NFL when the league was investigating the Bounty Gate thing. So, you know, how can these guys work? To, you know, how well would these guys work together now? Because, you know, you have Joe Vid, who's the father-in-law of Adam Gase, and Greg Williams comes back together. So it's this interesting triangle of guys' relationships here. And uh, the quote from Vitt, he, he really didn't even let the reporter ask the question, uh, finish the question but he said not a question next question go ahead he's a great friend of mine i'll always be a great friend i don't care what you've written go ahead somebody else so that was that was uh he wasn't very talkative on that uh topic uh to no surprise um then so then uh after practice i mentioned we got the assistants and they were fine mostly bland i mentioned the jefferson quote was fantastic i mean that's, <laughs> that might be that's a quarter of the spring right there i mean uh Basically, like, if you take the swear words out of it, it's just, like, the most benign, bland quote ever. (laughs) (laughs) Literally a quarter of the quote is swear words. Like, um, so I always love when a guy, like, casually just calmly swears when talking about something positive. I don't even know if he, like, raised his voice in exuberance or anything. But uh, uh, anyway, the... uh, (laughs) the, You mentioned it earlier. So Joe Vitt talked, the outside linebackers coach after practice, and he was at... 
spoke about uh, Ja'Kai Polite and the potential he has and kind of working with him to help him grow as a player and a person. He really likes Jordan Jenkins' uh, potential. He, he's been really impressed with Jordan Jenkins this offseason and uh, thinks he can make even more strides as a pass rusher than he did last year. And that would certainly be Jordan Jenkins' hope in a contract year. Um, so, obviously, he doesn't have a lot of players to work with as, as the outside linebacker's coach. But those are two of the notable ones. He, uh, you talk a little bit about Brandon Copeland's versatility, position versatility, and mention how important position versatility is. So, like to be clear here, like it's not like we asked Joe Vitt for seven minutes questions about Bounty Gate. Like he mostly talked about other stuff. Um, but but of course, you know, it had to be asked. And I mean, I, I don't really care what people think. Like this is like a legitimate <laughs> from a journalistic standpoint is a question that had to be asked um, about about uh, the Bounty Gate situation and, and his relationship with Joe with uh, Greg Williams. So. Uh, the question was kind of framed, uh, didn't even get the word bounty gate in. I asked Joe Vitt after a few other questions, you know, about what's it like working with Greg Williams again and, and, you know, given their past relationship and I, I didn't even get to finish. So and he, and he cut it off and whatever. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. It's fine. Um, it's, he says, so his quote was, so this is a national inquirer question or what? And then he says, I like Greg, me and him are friends. Next question. So, Honestly, you're like, fine, man. Like, that's cool saying that rather than just no comment because <laughs> that's a lot more interesting than, like, just no comment. Um, so he obviously did not want to talk about that stuff, nor did Greg Williams. And they seem to have patched up with their relationship. They both said they have. Adam Gase said he had, they have. I mean, they better have. But the Adam Gase better have felt comfortable about it before he hired these guys to work closely together. So um, it seems like they, they get along fine now. Um, but... Look, I mean, the notion that we spent the entire time with Greg Williams and the entire time with Joe Vitt asking about Bounty Gate is flawed. And the main reason we wrote their responses is because, <laughs> because they were so prickly. I mean, if, if they hadn't, you know, if maybe that wouldn't be, we wouldn't have written that Joe Vitt response as a separate thing if he hadn't been so colorful in his, in his response. But it's more noteworthy when a guy is particularly prickly about it. So, whatever. I mean, like, <laughs> I understand that people don't care about it. That's fine. Uh, but certainly none of us like take take things personally when a coach or a player gets snippy. It's not. It's a job, you know. It's not like we come home and lose sleep over this. It doesn't bother any of us. It's part of the deal. Like you know, you have to be professional and challenge guys on tough questions. It's not a. It's not heroic. It's not like it's thankless or anything. It's just part of a regular part of the job. It's not a big deal. And um, you know, I certainly don't care to necessarily highlight. Who asked what question? It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but, you know, you brought it up earlier. So, And it was kind of a funny line. Um, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm not, like, you know, trying to say, like, oh, it, uh, you know, it's some heroic act to ask a question like that. It's just part of the job. And it was going to get asked. And, uh, you know, there was a break in the Right before the question was asked, there was a break in it. And he had talked for, like, two minutes. And he's like, all right, is that it? And he starts to, like, <laughs> tries to, like, walk away. It's like, no, dude. It's not it. And so we asked the bounty gate thing and then, and then asked like a bunch of other stuff and he was pretty, he was pretty good. But, um, but yeah, so that was the deal with today. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted 
They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Three takeaways from that. The first one is, as soon as Greg Williams mentioned culture, I'm pretty sure that Chris Nimbley's head exploded because that is one of his biggest pet peeves. The second thing is Sean Jefferson, that is amazing. I remember him playing wide receiver for the Chargers, and he was actually a key piece in that Super Bowl run that they made back in 1995. Unfortunately for them, they got crushed by the San Francisco 49ers. It was one of the most lopsided Super Bowls ever. But, Dell, after you divulged what he said, I was shocked to learn that he's actually from Jacksonville, Florida, because with a quote like that, I was positive he would have been from New York or New Jersey, because who else would talk like that? <laughs> right. That was pretty good. I mean, Joe, I don't know where Joe Vitt is from, but, I mean, he sounds like he's from Bayonne. I mean, he sounds like he could be, he should have been, this, he sounds like he should have been an extra in, in, in uh, on the waterfront. I mean, uh, that reference is probably going to fly over a lot of people's heads. Marlon Brando, <laughs> Google it. Yeah, and just, uh, where, where is he from? Well, he, oh, he was born in Syracuse, and he, he, he grew up in New Jersey, Joe Vett. He's from, I went to there it Black, is. I don't know where Blackwood, New Jersey is. Gloucester Township, up in, down in Camden County. Okay, so what's that down by, yeah, down by Philly. So, um, that's where he went to high school. Uh, interesting. I didn't know that. And then, uh, then he went on to, uh, go to Towson and then start his football coaching career with the Baltimore Colts in 1979. Interesting. So, yeah, he's a smaller guy. That's interesting. He's kind of this, he's, He's listed here on his Wikipedia at what five ten one ninety, but he's like he's like a sh- a short kind of punchy you know older guy, it's quite a character, um, you know, and has had produced results where you know most places he's been, especially with the Saints, and so you know just a classic kind of old school football coach type guy, and uh, yeah, I, and so another point in the interview, so not only did he drop the, not only did he did he kind of come off like you should have been on the waterfront, not only did he drop a National Enquirer reference, and those of us who came up in print media, certainly appreciate the, that anybody recognizes print media anymore. <laughs> uh, I, though I guess their website, I guess, would be pretty popular to inquire. Uh, and then uh, he also casually dropped, in, in like a weird moment, that's like not even worth getting into, he dropped a reference to like Mike Wallace. And he's, you know, in this case, he was talking not about the football player, but about um, Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was an interesting, interesting exchange with them. Looking too bad we can't talk to him more. That would be fun. Um, but uh, I, I don't know when he next talks during training camp. I think they have to make all the assistance available again. Daryl, my third takeaway was that I want to know if NJ.com is okay with the extra money that you're making freelancing for the Inquirer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, they don't know until now. Yeah, so there. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> he blew your cover. <laughs> right, right. 
shoot, I don't know. I'm depending on what stories I could quote unquote get for them or buy for them, I might be able to double my salary. But uh but yeah, maybe maybe uh maybe I can find the real killer for, you know, twenty five years on now. <laughs> for for Orenthal, maybe I'll find the real killer and uh make a kill make a uh, make a killing God, make a uh make a little buck for a national inquirer doing that. But uh yeah, this is whatever. I mean it, it was a uh, he didn't yell or anything, Joe but it didn't. So it was uh the video is pretty funny, actually, if you go look at because he's a kind of a his mannerisms are are, are kind of you know old school guy, you know, like old blue collar type coach, not necessarily like this button up guy, like the, the type of coach you don't really see in the NFL anymore in terms of just his demeanor. Um, so it's pretty funny. We have the video up there on the site of him talking about that. And I think the next question. Yeah, I asked him, he said next question, so I asked the next question. I was like, oh, well, what, what is it like working with uh, Adam Gase, you know, your son-in-law? And he, he was still, like, kind of in a pissed-up mood. And he goes, he's on the offensive side. I don't work with him much. I see him maybe once a week, which <laughs> I think he means, like, he's in meetings with him once a week. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, but he, he, was, he was good talking about other guys, but very direct, very old-school coach, so... Again, too bad we don't get to talk to him more because I, don't, I look. I don't care that he was like prickly. That's fine, man. Like, I mean, I'll take that. I'll take like going in there every week for five, seven minutes and going back and forth with a guy like that. That's fine uh, because a lot of you know he was also pretty good about giving us some some insight into players. Not incredible, but pretty good. And so, you, I'll, any day of the week, I'll take a guy as a coach to interview or a player who has personality over a guy who's like really bland. I guess it's better than having him say no comment, right? Exactly. If he just said no comment, I don't want to talk about that, then that wouldn't have been nearly as colorful or fun. And look, I mean, ultimately, this is, uh, I've said it a lot, but, you know, this is this is an entertainment business. And it's always more fun when you cover entertainment to have an entertaining day at the office. And today was certainly an entertaining day at the office. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Daryl, there's a report breaking right now from a gentleman named Neil Stratton who runs a website called InsideTheLeague.com, and I was curious if you'd heard anything about this. He says he's hearing that the Eagles are trying to play hardball with the Jets, which fits what I've heard about what Howie Roseman's trying to do as Douglas tries to load up his front office staff. As a result, it is expected by some that Champ Kelly, who interviewed for the GM job, is going to be brought in as the assistant general manager. Now, I've mentioned this many times. It would make a lot of sense because, A, it would be a promotion for Kelly, and B, he has ties to both Douglas and Gase. Also, if we're going to add a C, he's had success everywhere he's been, both with the Bears and with the Broncos. Have you heard anything about this or anything else involving who Douglas is going to get in here to fill out his staff? Yeah, so Neil Stratton, you know, he's pretty plugged in when it comes to front office stuff. So uh, that's sort of the rumblings, I guess, right now. And we know that Joe Douglas was interested in talking to Todd McShay, was interested in talking to uh, Phil Savage, a couple guys he worked with 
uh, well, he went to college with Todd McShay, and he, he worked with Phil Savage in Baltimore. Daniel Jeremiah is going to be staying at the NFL Network. Not clear what kind of interest Joe Douglas had there, uh, but Daniel Jeremiah basically put out a statement saying he's not going anywhere. So uh, the, the the a couple the guy to watch would would be Andy Weidel or Weidel. I'm not sure how his last name is pronounced. W e i d l. Who is the number two guy behind the second guy behind? Well, the first guy behind. Uh, Joe Douglas in Philly. So he was the assistant director of player personnel or pro player personnel, I guess, down there. And uh, so it looks like he won't be coming to the Jets and that if, if indeed Douglas wanted that. It was never really clear what he had in mind in terms of a role for potential role for Todd McShay. He, Todd McShay, obviously, is a really visible guy with ESPN. Um, but you know, you're talking about a guy who's never worked in the NFL front office. I mean, he... he he played football with Joe Douglas at Richmond. They were not roommates, but they were they were friends. They they were I think they graduated the same year, nineteen ninety nine. And uh, partway through his playing career, well, McShay was a walk on. He wasn't a very good player, and he wound up transitioning to being an undergraduate who helped the coach there, Jim Reed, work uh, with film assessment, and recruiting, and that sort of thing. So McShay sort of got an early start on the uh, quote unquote scouting side of things. But he went right from that and and went went to Scouts Inc which later was absorbed by ESPN. So that's sort of how Todd McShay got his start. He never has worked in a front office. So I mean, the notion that he was going to come in and be Joe Douglas, you know, seems, seemed a little weird. Um, but maybe, maybe there's another role for him in the front office because Joe Douglas can certainly shuffle things. But, but yeah, I think Champ Kelly would be a, a great hire as a number two because he's not, he doesn't have that role right now with the Bears, so it's not like the Bears could necessarily uh, block him uh, uh, from leaving, I guess. But Champ Kelly being assistant director of player personnel with the Bears, basically the same, he's the same position as Andy Waddell is in, um, in Philly. So it would just be Joe Douglas taking that level of guy and bringing him on board, uh, but except from a different team. So Kelly would have been a really interesting candidate as a GM. I think he's done some good things there working under Ryan Pace. Douglas obviously more proven, better resume. Douglas gets the job and, um, this would be a step up for Kelly for sure. Um, so I think the Jets could certainly do worse. No doubt. Um, uh, so if this comes to fruition, you know, we can't blame Joe Douglas for wanting to make it work. And they've worked together uh, with the Bears. Joe Douglas was with the Bears there in 2015. That's how he knows Adam Gase. So, uh, and Champ Kelly's worked with Adam Gase too. So it would be a familiar uh, type hire. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The three of them worked together in 2015, which was the only season that Joe Douglas is there. Of course, right after that, Joe Douglas went on to be VP of player personnel for the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam Gase went on to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And it's possible that the three of them now could be reunited. I think it would be great. Like I said, Champ Kelly successful both with the Broncos and the Bears. A familiarity there with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas. So obviously he knows the way that they work and would be a good fit there. I'd love to see see it we'll see i've been talking about this for a while that i really would like to see champ kelly come in as joe douglas's right hand man my only worry about it would be that kelly would get poached the next year for a general manager job but that's one of those rich people problems that i will gladly take 
Transitioning, though, from Kelly to the man that would be his boss if he does end up working here, Daryl, that, of course, is Joe Douglas. We talked about the introductory press conference with Chris Nimbley a couple of days ago, but I wanted to know about his proclamation that they were going to scour the waiver wire. He said that was going to be an important part of the process, and he already did that, claiming somebody off of waivers from Oakland. Tell me a little bit about what you know here. Yeah, so the first Joe Douglas move, I guess technically his first move was cutting Neil Sterling because that happened the morning of his press conference. Um, but uh, the first pickup he made was Mon- cornerback named Montreal Meander. Um, and, you know, his last name is spelled just like the verb, Meander. Uh, undrafted guy last year, cornerback uh, who was with the Browns and um, on their practice squad for a good chunk of last year. Went to the Raiders, wound up on their active roster, but hasn't, hasn't played many games. So a depth addition there. Um, and as we were talking here, the Jets added another cornerback, Darrell Rivas. No, I'm sorry, just kidding. Um, they, <laughs> they, they, they added a guy named Mark Myers, uh, and they waived uh, John Battle, who is a roster fringe safety. So uh, Mark Myers, a cornerback. Is he Michael Myers' brother from Halloween? Yeah, I was going to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael Myers or Mark Myers, huh? I or Mike, Mike Myers, Mark... the actor. I don't know where he's right. been lately. I Austin Powers. Say, this is like, Would this be like a Mike Myers alter ego as a football player? He comes in. <laughs> uh, so he was with the Bucks last year, undrafted rookie in 2018. Um, went to a school called Southeastern University, which I, I've not heard of. Um, and so that's it. I mean, he was he was with the Buccaneers as an undrafted free agent in 2018, and I guess he's he's been out of the league. I mean, he has not uh, he has not uh, played in an NFL game. Otherwise, the Jets release would have noticed that. But I mean, so you know, we're t- we're talking about like a big time roster fringe guy here, like this guy and, and Meander the cornerback. Obviously, the Jets are looking for depth there. Um, they're looking for answers. These, these guys are, these guys aren't starters, like. But Joe Douglas did say he was going to scour the waiver wire, and he did. He got Meander in here. And so we'll see what this means. Mon- you know who's, all- who's still a free agent is Morris Claiborne. Unless I'm, unless I'm, unless that slipped through the cracks, he is still a free agent. So I know he was dealing with an injury, and it's not really clear uh, what the deal is with his recovery from that or what the recovery, what the injury even was. But, yeah, he's still a free agent. So Morris Claiborne, still a free agent, 29 years old, played pretty good for the Jets last year. And we'll see if, if once they feel comfortable with his health, maybe uh, they can uh, bring him back. But we'll see. But they but Joe Douglas has been active so far in terms of what he's done in terms of adding depth. But uh, obviously, a lot bigger moves to come for the, the Jets' new GM. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Daryl, you missed the prime trolling opportunity because there are all these rumors right now that Jalen Ramsey is on the block for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You could have said that his first move was getting a cornerback, that it was Jalen Ramsey, but you went with Darrell right. Revis. I respect the flash. Yeah, big, bigger surprise. So, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, would they really trade Jalen Ramsey? I, I mean, the guy's a really good player. Uh, so, I think that the, the issue there is he wants... You know, he wants a contract, uh, and he said after Tuesday's mandatory minicamp practice that the Jags told him and told his agent that they're not going to extend him in 2019. So, there you go. But yeah, in light of all that, Ramsey actually tweeted that uh, he is asking for so much money, the Jaguars have to put him on layaway. I don't know if some <laughs> of the younger people who are listening remember what or know what layaway is, but Jalen Ramsey's contract goes through uh, 2020. He was... Uh, 
So he was picked in what, 2016? So the Jaguars have uh, exercised his fifth-year option for 2020. Um, and he's had a really good career, obviously, so far. And, you know, some bumps in the road. But uh, but not really a surprise that they're not going to extend him right now. Play it out this year. See what next year holds, next summer holds. Maybe give him an extension then. They could always play out the fifth-year option and franchise tag him. That's the thing. That's the beauty in, for teams and the curse for players of these rookie contracts in the CBA that teams can have financial control of a guy for six freaking years of his of his contract the first six years of his contract in a league with uh small earning windows so um but yeah it i don't i don't know i mean the jets would they trade for jalen ramsey the, the jaguars would probably want a, a significant sum for him uh, especially considering he has two years left in his contract you're not talking about a, trading for a guy who has one year left and at some point ramsey's going to want a, a new deal so uh, the Jets would probably have to blow up the 2020 year uh, and and sign him to a to a deal. So um, we'll see. I mean, I think it would be kind of silly for the Jaguars to trade this guy, especially when they're trying. I mean, they they just signed Nick Foles. They're trying to win now. Um, uh, so it's not like they're rebuilding. So maybe they play it out and see what happens and trade him next offseason. The Jets were trying to win now when they hired Rich Kotite in 1995, and that didn't work out either. So let's see yeah, what happens with yeah. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, they made, they certainly made an effort to win. I mean, they certainly put in the money and the effort to win that now back then. But I think the fact that they had a terrible coach didn't help. <laughs> so I guess I, I would guess the Jaguars um, would keep him around, um, and then you know maybe trade him next off season. See what he can give him this off season. That would be my guess, too. But, Daryl, last thing before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you about some of the announcements that were made about what the Jets are going to be doing for promotions and things like that. Among other things, they are going to be honoring their latest induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That, of course, center Kevin Mawai, who is already in the Ring of Honor. Tell me a little bit about what they've got planned, including Mawai and the other things that they have cooking for the 2019 season. Yeah, so the Jets kind of, uh, they announced this, and they said uh, that Kevin Y on, uh, well, I'll just go right on, on the rundown here. The Jets uh, are going to have a Hall of Fame night, I guess they're calling it, for Kevin Y Monday night game, the October 21 game against New England. Uh, I'll just run down, the, there's only three, six of these things or whatever, I guess. So the green out game with some kind of green flag giveaway will be on September the 8th. They don't have weeks to these games. That's the... That's the first game, I guess, yeah. Um, and then September the 16th, they have a black towel giveaway. That's the game against Cleveland Monday night. Uh, then that's first responders night. And then, uh, let's see, October 13th, they have a white towel giveaway against the Cowboys. That's a Sunday game against the Cowboys. Then the Kevin Mawai night. As I mentioned, the Monday night game, October 21. No towel associated with that. I guess they ran out of colors there. Um, the salute to service day is the giant game. Uh, the Jets always do a good job with that. And that's uh, November the 10th, the Sunday game. And then uh, Star Wars Day. Everyone has a Star Wars Day now. Everyone is just uh, – do they have to pay George Lucas to do this? I don't know. But if you're a big Star Wars nerd or even if you're not a nerd and you like Star Wars, that's uh, the Raider game, Sunday, November 24th. So all the Raider fans will be dressed up like Raider fans, and you can go dressed up like uh, Chewbacca. And, uh, and then there's a kid day, uh, December 8th. Kid Day, if you want to bring your kids out on a Sunday, December 8th, probably going to be pretty cold. <laughs> uh, that is WWE featuring WWE. I guess the Jets have his partnership with WWE now. So Kid Day featuring WWE. That's against the Dolphins. Uh, 
And then the last one is Fan Appreciation Day, which I, this season finale. Steeler game, that's Sunday, December 22nd. And that's when they're going to induct you into the Fan Hall of Fame with Ira, right? Is that is that what's happening then? Are it's, you on the ballot this year? Or? It's what I'm hearing, although okay. I hear my candidacy is being blocked by several people who are <laughs> saying that I do not belong in the Fan Hall of Fame because I am not a very big deal like Chris Nimbley. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I got to get elevate my status. I'm not Ira-level super fan, and I'm not a very big deal like Chris Nimbley. I think that you and Chris and Ira are going to have to take me under your wings so that one day I could be in the Fan Hall of Fame. Should we should we get some uh, Russian bots to boost your candidacy to uh, be in the to be in the fan <laughs> hall of fame? Should we should we stuff the ballot box here and uh, you know I don't know I honestly I have that was a great idea the Jets did that but I don't know I know Ira went in the first year and uh, some other folks the gentleman who wears the, the big hat um, the flight hat the the the, uh, uh, the plane hat type thing I'm just like botching it completely but. Uh, but yeah, so that's a kind of a cool thing. Look, I mean, the Jets have, and they don't even have that on the on the thing. But I'm sure Fan Appreciation Day won't be that. That's what it typically has been. Uh, and they've done what two two years of these things, right? I think two years ago was the first Fan Hall of Fame, and then last year they did it again. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I mean, you have this is a this is a let's be honest, this is a team that's tortured the living hell out of their fans for a really long time. So it's nice uh, for the team to not only appreciate the fans, but but really give back to some of the people who have who have put in a lot of time and money and effort and a whole lot of anguish into rooting for the Jets uh, over the years. So kind of a cool thing they do. But but there you go. Those are the giveaway days. They're all pretty standard, I guess, except for the Kevin Y thing. And I think, I don't know, have they done the Star Wars thing in the past? Is there the 48th Star Wars movie coming out this year? I've, I kind of just checked out when I got my, uh, I had Return of the Jedi sheets at like age eight or whenever that movie actually came out. I'm dating myself, but uh, but yeah, I've checked out on the Star Wars thing. So those are the rundowns of, of what they're doing. Um, and in terms of the road games, if any, you know, look, the the blessing and the curse of the road schedule this year is that the Jets have a lot of close road games, but not a lot of interesting road trips. So uh, if you don't want to go to any of the giveaway days and you'd rather kind of spice things up by, by making a trip to a road game, there's certainly plenty of road games within striking distance, but... Uh, you know, I don't know how intriguing people find Baltimore in December, um, but you know, Philly's always fun. Philly's always fun. I don't know if you want to bring your kids to that game, but uh, but there's the Jacksonville game. You know, end of October, so that that might be fun too. I think what we learned from this whole podcast, Daryl, what I've taken away from everything, the practices, Joe Vitt, the report about Champ Kelly, is that we need to start a petition to get me into the Fan Hall of Fame. I think that's that's the bottom line. I don't know why we wasted our time talking about like Joe Vitt and all that other stuff because, uh, but that's that's uh, we really buried the lead. So that'll start. You know, that they, they started the presidential campaign stuff already for 2020. So I think we're past due at the time that we need to get your your 2019 fan campaign going. I was in there. You got to send me in. I know I'm not a very big deal like Chris yet, and I know that I'm not quite as big of a fan legend as Ira, but I'm trying to build up here. So let's build some steam and get a petition to get me into the Fan Hall of Fame. Father Flannel, the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on and for putting this ludicrous idea in my head of getting this fan petition going. For anybody that doesn't know what you've got cooking over at NJ.com along with Matt Stiflikowski, why don't you go ahead and let them know. 
Yep, so we have everything off today, which is the Joe Vitt, Greg Williams, all that good stuff coming out of practice uh, today in terms of what was said. And then, you know, we'll have a lot of spring practice wrap-up stuff. Who looked good in, in the spring? Who's got something to prove come training camp? And we're looking at uh, position battles. And there's not a lot of high-profile position battles, but there's some uh, medium-profile position battles, maybe. Um, and uh, all that good stuff we'll have uh, this week and uh, going into next week. Uh and then probably a little bit of a lull in, in stuff to write about, of course, but then it'll get all get cranked back up uh, come July. It looks like July 24th is training camp, going to be training camp report day, but we'll see. So enjoy your break, everybody. Uh, but, you know, it's not going to be long until training camp gets going. Indeed it isn't. We've got a little over a month before training camp, and we are going to have eyes and ears for all the practices. No matter whether they are open or closed, you will get a first-hand account every day here on Play Like a Jet whenever the Jets are practicing. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Go ahead and follow Daryl and Matt on Twitter. Read their great work at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets. Dot com.